Mindfulness Mode, Episode 45. You know, I literally physically check in with my heart. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for the great reviews on iTunes. I'm going to read one by Kip Clark. Kip said, really encouraging. From various walks of life, Bruce draws in a number of articulate, determined, and of course, mindful individuals in each conversation. Each episode is genuine, full of insight, and relatable commentary for which everyone can find an application. Give him a listen. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm so thrilled to have Manny Wolf on the line today. Hey, Manny, are you in mindfulness mode? I am, now and as always. (laughs) Terrific. Manny Wolf is a speaker, business coach, musician, and author. He fully believes in giving whatever of value he can share with others. This includes voice coaching and speech consulting. Mindfulness has been a central part of Manny's life for years, and it's allowed him to choose a life of purpose and passion, doing what feeds his soul. So, Manny, what are you working on in your life right now that's super exciting? Ah, yes. Uh, Like many of us here, um, I know that this is going to air a little bit later than we're recording it. But So, real time, we're in the uh, beginning of December. Yes. And I am working on the groundwork for next year. What that means is... At, by the end of December, I will have a book on public speaking. I will also be uh, co-authoring a course where I focus on the art of delivery. And my partner in the course focuses on how to make delivery and speak speaking from the stage um, profitable. And so that's what's going on. And that is going to launch next year and explode into speaking engagements, workshops, boot camps. And it is my goal to, by the end of summer, to have a immersive speaker training camp. That sounds like super exciting. So you really love helping people with their speaking skills then, right? I do. I do. I really, really love it. And the reason why is for me, it represents the furthest most point of progress from the, from the way I was raised. You know, I was raised in a way where I was taught not to fit into society, not to feel my own worth. Uh, it was a very dysfunctional, very damaging upbringing. And the basic message was, you're an outsider, you don't fit in, you don't belong. And so for me to have, with no help, sort of face down and overcome those deep, deep beliefs and been able to move into, as you put it, you know, living a life of purpose and passion. There's nothing further from that that I can imagine than being able to be on stage, be totally vulnerable, be totally open and have it go over like gangbusters. So yes, I'm very, very excited about it. So Manny, I'm really looking forward to hearing your story, but I want to ask you, how do you use mindfulness when you teach and coach people with their speaking skills? Mm. Well, mindfulness is being present. It's being present in the moment. And so for me, being present in the moment manifests itself in my work a lot. It's it's being able to listen and and you know, not listen from my own frame of reference. So 
not listen with intent to respond, but listen with intent to really understand. And you can't do that without that level of mindfulness or awareness. One of the things that I always do, and this may be jumping the gun, you may be wanting to ask a question about this later on, and I just don't know, but, you know, staying, what I, what I do to stay out of that, okay, I know what I'm going to say next is, you know, I literally physically check in with my heart. And I don't mean that in a new agey sense. I mean that literally, you know, when I feel myself drifting or, or losing focus, I focus on my own heart and that brings me right back into the present moment and it gets me back into that center of compassion. Okay, so let's get into this a little bit more. So you, so you envision your heart. Do you put your hand on, on your chest? Tell us what you do exactly in order to make that happen. Sure. Most of the time, it can just be mental. It can just be sort of doing like a, a systems check, you know, if, if you will, uh, on the heart. But sometimes, yeah, I'll put my hand there as well. Um, and it really, it, it gets me out of the future and it gets me out of the past instantly. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So it's, it's heart-centered mindfulness. And really, mindfulness is all heart-centered, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah. I would say you could almost jokingly call it heartfulness. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. So, so Manny, tell us about you growing up. What was life like and was mindfulness a part of it? Mm. Uh, <laughs> life was insane growing up. It was completely what I like to call circus-grade crazy. I was born into a cult. I was programmed, I mean, just programmed that money was the key instrument of Satan and that it was through money that Satan would overthrow the world. Um, Strong, strong rhetoric, you know, heavy, heavy duty. Uh, And I wasn't just surrounded by my blood family. I was surrounded by about 60 people in this cult. And they didn't want to fit in with the rest of the world. In fact, they, they thought like I suppose probably a lot of cults do that they knew something the rest of the world didn't. And therefore there was a certain superiority. And so I was raised to be very condescending of, of the outside world to not trust it, to not like it, to not want to be part of it. So I would say that while mindfulness actually did get thrown around as an abstraction within the cult, uh, we were not in fact being mindful. You know, that would be my take on it. I certainly was not taught to be mindful. So was meditation a part of it? Well, it was, but let me think of a good analogy here. If your fundamental premises are, and I shudder to use the word flawed, Bruce, but let's say... In meditation, whoever it is you, you truly are, unless you can meditate powerfully enough to shift your own fundamental assumptions, your own base paradigms, then all your spiritual disciplines will inadvertently wind up reinforcing who you are. I just want to check in for, for clarity there and see if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that does make sense. Okay. And so, yes, meditation was talked about and even practiced by some people, but whether it was on conscious or not, it was practiced within the framework of this whole idea that 
we are superior because of our knowledge and we are, you know, um, not of this society and this, this sort of um, thing that's happening in the larger world. So there was a lot of that kind of thing where it was like the otherwise potentially very um, positive spiritual disciplines and, and, and things like that just wound up further insulating us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, so yeah. from what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you were brought up to be very self-centered, very self-focused, and that ego was, was really a big part of this because you, that's kind of where I'm, I'm feeling that you've gone with this. Is that true? Almost, yeah. I was actually brought up by people who were completely absorbed in ego, but their egos were playing these cosmic jokes on them because the ego was telling them how selfless they were. Oh, so how did you get over that though? Because, you know, being brought up in that as a child, even as an adult, though, you're determined to change and everything else that can be like almost impossible, but you've obviously pulled it off. So how did you do that? Is it through mindfulness? Mm, yes. Short answer, yes. Okay. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear more about it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I thought long and hard about what to name my book and what to name my podcast. Yes. And so what came to me while I was writing it and thinking about it was, you know, my fiance is always telling me it's a miracle that you're here. Just mm-hmm. that you're alive is is incredible. And, and, that you have somehow become a good sort of contributing member of society and someone who genuinely wants to serve others uh, is, is nothing short of amazing, you know? And, and so I started sort of really focusing on that and I realized it sort of was true because I just, I never had any help. So to your question, how did I get from there to here? I honestly think it comes to this. When I was a child, there was all that ego masquerading as modesty and selflessness. And it was almost like a contest between the people that, that were that were my elders, my caregivers, you know, as to who could be the most selfless. But it was for their own sort of spiritual, you know, chip on the shoulder gains. And as a kid, I could see this long before I could articulate it. And I knew something was wrong. But at the same time as that, there was this other influence of all the great thinkers from history were sort of bandied about in my household. So in other words, somebody would quote Jesus or Buddha or Aristotle or or Confucius or you, you name it, right? And even though they were doing it to try to sort of one-up each other, um, and to sort of win these arguments of who was the most humble, the most spiritual. Actually, now that I think about it, Bruce, it's a lot like the kind of posturing that we find in in um, churches, oh. among, among church congregations. You know, you can be a member of a church and not be doing, you know, anything that's sort of like God's mission for you or whatever. Right, right. I see what you mean. So, Manny, how how did you come to the point where you've, obviously become excellent at changing your limiting beliefs. That must be why you're so sought after as a coach. How did you get to that point? 
Well, it's it's an evolution of the same process here. Um, what what was used as lip service with the people who raised me, if you can call it raising, um, it it became like a my true north. I was at a very young age. I was fascinated by these great thinkers that everybody would discuss and and you know sort of use and and like that. And so yeah. those same people I mentioned: Buddha, Jesus. Uh, Gandhi, uh, Confucius, the Dalai Lama, Plato, Aristotle, on and on and on it goes. Any any great thinker throughout history had an equal spot at the table, in a sense. But they were they were, as I said, uh, most often quoted in the service of somebody sort of one upping somebody else. As in, you know, my actions are more closer to Jesus's intentions than yours, or something like that. So that's how it was used when I was little, but I became fascinated with these teachers. And then from there, you've learned directly from those teachers through your whole entire life. Yeah. Yes. And then from there, I became fascinated with the idea that there were teachers out there who I may never meet, but who I could learn from nonetheless. So then I became, you know, after a time, after I got sober, actually, uh, because from about 10 years old or 11 years old to 28 years old, I was, uh, I had full blown addictions going on with drugs and alcohol. So my life came to many culminating moments, Bruce. One Mm. of them was making a choice in the moment, not to hunt down with the intent to kill another man. So that was a big one. I mean, that was a big, big life changer there. What it meant was I had to disappear without a trace from the environment and the group that that was my life this was not the commune this was um the people that i knew in a town i was living in at the depths of my of my drug addiction i see and so the catharsis of realizing i didn't have to do that and that i could just disappear was what really set me on a path of of discovery and your your question specifically is how did I overcome those things? I'd like to tell you that there was one set of tools or that there was one moment or something like that, but it wasn't like that. For me, it was a 15 year uh, struggle through a blind tunnel where I couldn't see anything. I mean, it was just a long, hard uh, commitment that even though I didn't know, you know, how I was going to do it, where it was going to come from that I just, I mean, I was at the point for years where I would rather die than keep living the way I felt I was programmed to live. Well, no, no wonder you're so highly acclaimed as a coach and you, you do so well with that. Now, being able to kind of set your ego aside as an adult now, who is Manny Wolf? Who, who is this man? <laughs> um, he's someone who wants nothing more than to fill the positive side of the scale in the second half of his life because he, he feels like he definitely filled the negative side in the first half of his life. I don't engage in self-pity or anything like that. I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me for the way I was brought up or the struggles that I've been through, uh, but I do want to be of service. I do now want to have as broad a reach in as positive a way as I can possibly achieve. And do you use mindfulness to allow that to happen? Is that part of the picture? 
Well, I mean, it has to be. It has to be. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get, you know, the shiny ball syndrome or the shiny object syndrome or whatever the heck we call it. Um, And so if you're not able to bring yourself back into the present moment, you know, if you don't have tools and strategies for that, uh, you know, chances are you're just going to drift off with the tide. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I mean, you know, to put it, to put the whole experience through a lens of mindfulness, I have to be able to be here now in the present moment. And then I, I think another sort of iteration of what it means to be mindful is to be able to be examining my own thoughts, feelings, uh, sensations, opinions, things like that as I push forward. So, you know, that's a, that's a long-winded way of saying yes. Yeah. Well, you're an intense person, Manny. How do you relax? <laughs> I'm actually relaxed most of the time. You know, this intensity is, is my birthright. I come from a long line of hard bastards. <laughs> you know, I just come from the, the men of the wolf bloodline are, um, they were hard cases as far back as, as our family line is traced. And so for me, uh, you know, I took, I took it and made it the sharp edge of my sword, if that makes sense to you. But I use that sword. I can't believe I'm making this analogy. So listeners, it's a little cliche to me, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I, I made my intensity the sharp edge of that sword, my sword, but I use that sword to, to cut away things so that me and other people can see more clearly. I am perfectly, perfectly relaxed and comfortable with the level of intensity that, that, that is just sort of natural to me. So Mindful Tribe, I hope you're really tuned into Manny here as he talks about how he's able to just reach out and and connect with his passion and his passion of helping people and how he's able to come to he's come to the point now where he just allows this passion to be part of his life. Now Manny, tell us what you do to still your mind. I don't know if you meditate or if you have a way of quieting your mind, but what do you do to to quiet your mind? I do meditate um, pretty much daily. And so, you know, it's, uh, I used to do those, those meditations where it's like, pay attention to your thoughts, see them as clouds, let them pass by. And I like that stuff a lot. But for me, it wound up, it evolved or changed. I don't want to say evolved. That can be a little smug. I don't claim to be a great meditation guru by any means, but um, it's just slowing down. It's just a rebooting. You know, oftentimes I'm confused by my family for being asleep, you know, but it's not asleep. I hear everything that's going on around me. Yes. Um, It's just this sort of deep relaxation. And I find that if I could, if I could take this and turn it into a helpful tip, it might be something like this. For me, it's been crucial not to compare my process to other processes. And I think and, that's probably important for all of us. And it's, it's really tricky not to do that, isn't it? Oh, it's tremendously tricky, especially in this online world that you and I are in. You know, we see people doing this cool thing or, or claiming that they've made this big income or, or having, you know, these successes. And believe me when I say that 
two different feelings can coexist inside of us when we see something like that. We can be 100% thrilled for our friends as they as they explode into accomplishment and, you know, higher, more sort of involved levels of their own life and manifestation. And at the same time, we can judge ourselves. Right, right. We can. Yeah. Manny, I want to ask you about your life in the online world. And if there's an example that you can share with us that was just a challenging situation you had where you really found that mindfulness helped you get through it. Ah, I I have, I've got one for you. (laughs) Uh, So when I first started, when I first, let me set the story here. Before discovering all these powerhouse sort of groups of people who have all banded together online and found their tribe and all that, um, my, my day-to-day life, my sort of 3D life, if you will, the life that happens outside my front door, mm-hmm. I was and, and remain pretty much still the only guy in my circle, the only guy in, my, in the, in the, um, of, that I know who's like this big picture, visionary, go-getter guy who wants to really do something special, right? So I found all these people. I found all these groups, the group that you and I met in. Yes. Several other as well, where there are all these people of a like mind, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, exciting, isn't it? It's so exciting. But I'll tell you what I did. I was like a dog that, I was like a puppy that everybody wanted to pet, right? And so I was just running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just to and fro. And then I started to realize after a few weeks, this is so fun. I feel so connected. I see, I feel so profoundly validated. It'd be like Harry Potter when he got to Hogwarts. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not just a little loser who lives under the stairs and is hated by everybody because they don't understand me. You know, I have my people, but with that came, oh my God, I got to go build a funnel. Oh my God, I got to publish a book right away. Oh my God, I've got to learn how to do Blab and Periscope and you know what I mean? Yes. So it just, the intensity ratchets up fast if you don't have your goal and your action plan. Yes. So that's the mindfulness right there, Bruce, is like, okay, okay, just take a step back, breathe. You don't have to be in front of your computer till your eyes hurt because you're going to miss something. You know, that kind of an urgency that is created. You have a plan. You have a coach. You have some select feedback people who can, who can help you to know if you're on or off track. Sure, go window shopping in the online candy store and see what everybody else is doing. That's great. But look, they're not you. You're not them. You know, you just like your coach predicted, and I'm I'm talking about myself here, your people have come to you and told you what they want from you. Now you're creating it. You know what I mean? It's like your perfect right time is happening. So it sounds like you have become more disciplined in your life as a result of of this mindful experience. Well, yeah, and I don't think of it as discipline, although I think it's it's actually fair to call it that. It's just letting go of that part of me that that gets anxious and feels like it's got to, you know, chase the fast the newest cat up the next tree. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I don't mean that like, oh, I'm so smart. I know what I'm doing. I mean, I know what my goal is here. Right. Yeah. You know, man, I want to kind of shift direction here a little bit. I've worked in bullying prevention for some time, and I'm wondering if you have a story about bullying and how mindfulness might have made a difference in that 
Oh boy. <laughs> I was I was bullied so much as a child. Were you? Oh my god. Yeah. I I I have more fights under my belt than uh, than an MMA fighter. <laughs> you know? So what's one bullying situation that that came up and how did you deal with it? Well, most of them I dealt with by fighting or running, okay? Yes. Most of them. Over time, I began to to develop this I, I began to develop this certain level of, you know, there's an inevitability factor. So what I mean by that is you've just turned a corner. There's one kid standing in front of you. There are three kids behind you. The likelihood of you getting out of that confrontation without something happening is almost zero, right? So was it always the same person? No. No, 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 no. I was singled out for being a hippie kid. I was singled out for being white. I was singled out for being a vegetarian. Uh, I was just a target. But you know? weren't you in a in a commune most of this time? Tell us about that. Well, let's uh, let's first talk about the mindfulness and the bullying piece, and then we'll we'll loop back to the right uh, the piece about the commune. Yes, I was in the commune, but I was also inexplicably forced to go to regular school, oh. which was just dropping me in a shark tank every day. I see. Now that makes sense. Yeah. So that's where all the confrontation came from. A lot of it. What happened was I developed this ability to accept the reality of the situation. You know, first there's this, there's this moment where it's like, is there any way out of here? And once my, once my mind was convinced that there was no way out of there, then another part of me began to come forward. And I remember one time I was walking home in the seventh grade uh-huh. and I chose to walk over the footbridge, which we literally, we called it the jumping bridge. And I don't know why I chose to walk it that day. It was like saved two miles off of my walk. Maybe that was it. Mm-hmm. And there was a kid there on the other end of the bridge who I knew by name, right? He was bigger than me. He was known to be a thug. And as soon as I got on the bridge, two of his friends jumped on the bridge behind me and started walking fast. There's just no way. This bridge is only four feet wide and it's fenced and it's over a, it's over a river. So realizing instantaneously that there's no way, quote unquote, you know, out of this. In other words, I can't take a side corner and run, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be this would be the mindfulness coming in. The kid's name was Benny, and so instead of acting scared, spontaneously, and I did this without thinking. I just stood up straight. I put a smile on my face, looked him right in the eye, and I said, "Hey, Benny, how's it going, man?" And I watched him just go through confusion. You know, a split second that took a week. I mean, it was crazy. He's just like, "Oh, hey, man, how you doing?" And I just walked right by him. Right. Yeah. And I mean, he had a, he had a stick in his hand and everything. So he was definitely looking to, you know, looking to bully somebody. And, um, I still to this day believe that if I had kept that, that scared posture and that slumped posture and not made eye contact. I think that's a great message. Absolutely. Manny, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30 second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Bruce Lee. Okay. How has mindfulness affected your emotions or those of your, uh, you know, the people that you work with? I try to teach them the same things that I now practice in my life. 
Mindfulness, specifically checking in with your heart to bring yourself right here, right now, is the best way I know of to get out of future tripping. I'm sure you know what that means. Yes, and to be able to to be able to get yourself back into a calm action plan making state of mind. Manny, tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. Well, Bruce, breath is life. And we breathe differently according to what our parasympathetic nervous system is feeling. But the rub is this, the trick, the magic trick, the key is this, that our breathing itself can change our parasympathetic nervous system. So breathing to me is connected to mindfulness because I know that shifting the way that I breathe, for instance, deeper belly breaths slowed down, can change my whole physicality, change my state, and therefore change my reality. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? It would be Zen and the Japanese Art of Warfare. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful? I try to stay away from apps as much as possible. So actually, I, <laughs> I'm afraid I can't. So do you use a timer when you meditate or do you, is it completely silent? Is it directed? Tell us about your meditation. Mm, good. I don't use a timer. Um, you know, it's funny. I've been doing this for so long that my, I can just sort of set it now. I can say, okay, 30 to 35 minutes. And, and I typically sort of float back up to the surface right around the time that I set it. As far as it being directed, the whole point, I think, for me, Bruce, is that I don't want it directed. You know, my mind is, is I, I just analyze because it gives me pleasure. And so I'm constantly in analysis mode. And so the whole point for me of that meditation is just to almost like just, just disappear back into my own cells. Right. What advice would you give a person who is new to mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Literally, physically check in with your heart. Realize when your thoughts are drifting off, and in, which is getting out of mindfulness, and to get yourself back into the present moment, think about your heart. Check in with it beating. Feel how it's beating. Feel how it feels in your chest. That will not only bring you back into the present moment, which allows you to be mindful, but it also centers your thinking in what is called a heart-centered capacity. Right. Well, this is great that you've shared this with us. And I want to know if you had this focus on your heart when you were a child or this, when did this come to you? That was taught to me. That was something that I picked up from someone else. I don't remember who now. I think the way that it worked was one of my martial arts instructors said to me, martial arts is another way, by the way, where all of your sort of internal issues come to the surface. It's, it's very fascinating. And one of the things that I had was that I was checking out and drifting off into the future all the time. Uh, and so one of my uh, senseis said to me, you know, here's what's happening. You'll get halfway into this technique that we're doing and you just disappear. And if you want to know a great way to, to not do that, he said, pay attention to what your fingertips are doing. And so I started with that. And then I just sort of shifted it into my heart because it just feels good, man. (laughs) Manny, you're so insightful. You have so much to share. I could talk with you for hours, but tell Mindful Tribe, how can we contact you or learn more about what you do? 
come and find me at the steep side of the mountain.com or Manny, M-A-N-N-Y, at the steep side.com. So the website is the steep side of the mountain.com. The email is Manny at the steep side.com. Please reach out, get in touch. I would love to uh, connect with your tribe. Definitely, definitely we will. It's been terrific talking with you, Manny, today and learning so much about your insight into life and, and what makes you tick. It's absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Bruce. You know, this has been a long time coming, buddy, and I'm, I'm glad that we finally got a chance to connect here. Me too. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.